Welcome back to the Experts Podcast, where we talk about art, design, and all forms of creative expression. And in today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about leadership and how to become an effective leader. Just a quick caveat, I'm sorry I've missed a few uploads in a few episodes of the podcast because I've had a few exams for university and I had to complete those, so I released an episode recently which I wasn't going to put out, but it's all I had, so I released it and honestly I regret it because I felt like it was super negative and not the type of content I want to display on this channel. And on top of that, it wasn't my best content. But since exams and studying is over and it's university holidays, I get three months off, so I'll be grinding out these episodes and I'll be releasing a lot more. I will most likely be recording some in advance, but the most important part is that I will be able to get one out every week, so make sure to stay posted for that. With that said, let's get into what leadership is. And leadership is the ability for an individual at the head of a company to influence the perspectives beliefs and essential values of the company and guide them towards a direction that enables the company to reach their goals and objectives. It involves critical thinking, decision making, as well as focused efforts directed at a certain outcome using company resources, which can be using monetary resources, assets, and manpower, time, and role allocation. Two main aspects involved communication, which is at the forefront, collaboration, which is essential, motivation, adaptability, and I will also add in innovation decision-making and setting a vision as well as goal-setting. And we will talk about making a mission statement later on as well. So communication is the most important part for me because all these other aspects I talked about involved in leadership comes down to how it's communicated and delivered as well as how it's received, interpreted, and what type of outcome is created as a consequence. Leaders must be able to effectively articulate their words and make a message that will be able to be heard. In this, they might need to exert a level of authority and leverage a position but at the any time there might be an overexertion of power which may persuade people in the wrong way or cause a different negative interaction to occur. Leaders must also be charismatic and relate to who they're talking to. They need to level and be genuine. They need to listen to their employees and apply their feedback because this makes the work system function effectively. They need to have active conversations and communicate with employees at every level of the operation to see how it's functioning and where they need to improve. They also need to convey their innovative ideas as well as guide the vision of the future. This they usually have to sell to members and partners of the board of executives and investors. So speaking of these various stakeholders comes collaboration, which is also essential because leaders can't run a company themselves contrary to popular belief because often they are the ones only reported on. So it seems as if they are the only ones guiding the company, but it requires a lot more employee action to deliver on those outcomes. Effective leaders and effective teams Effectively, need certain teams to the certain extent of because they need to start a company. But initially, they may not have resources, so they need to do everything themselves. But to develop any further, they need the assistance of others to survive. So they usually bring on other people who can fulfill their roles best, people who are probably even better than them because they have more time to develop the skills. These people sometimes are referred to as entrepreneurs, which are very important for organizational success, but they sometimes don't get the credit they deserve. Following that is motivation. And sometimes they are just employees that are massively ambitious and other times are employees who are just simply don't care as much. They are just there to fulfill their basic requirements and claim the paycheck and nothing more than that. But these people will simply never progress. And it's up to leaders to cut them off if they want to require higher quality and require others in the surrounding environment to put out more effective work and deliver more efficiently. But just like I described earlier, the archetype of the ambition person also needs guidance. If they don't know what to do or what needs to be done, they simply won't be able to do it. Now they might look for other ways to complete it, but without the proper guidance, it will never be done right. 
and maybe the lazy employee simply just one without guidance and doesn't know that they need to put in more work or where to direct their energy and efforts. My point is that all employees need guidance and for the leader to instill motivation, otherwise they're directionless and there's nothing more than that. In this, they also have to make an environment conducive to continue work at high levels. This requires a rewarding cycle where their achievements are rewarded by certain accolades or career progressions and promotions or by issuing higher pay. Higher pay doesn't always contribute to high levels of growth, but knowing how they can get to that level or achieve that higher status makes their individual drive go up and it will stick with them throughout their entire career if supported correctly. Leaders also have to be adaptable to changes happening in their environment, but more specifically in the external environment. In my university course, we talked about something called the PESTEL model, which stands for political, economic, sociocultural, technological, environmental, and legal. This is a good framework to understand all the things that a leader needs to foresee or stay up to date with and compensate for by putting certain processes or measures in place to avoid conflict or unnecessary challenges. For instance, if there is a new government party elected or present, depending on where you are, it might put certain legislature up or make certain requirements of your organization, maybe in terms of tax rates or increasing the amount of income you need to pay each employee. There might also be economic changes such as inflation with the increasing prices and tax rates impacting the organization's bottom line, causing them to have to increase prices to stay afloat and profitable and not just break even or even go negative. There might be social cultural changes such as shifts in trends on social media such as TikTok, swaying or influencing buying behavior and habits on a mass scale, which can impact the economy and the success and failure of a product for a company. There might be technological changes such as requirements that have certain equipment that fit ethical standards and technology that they simply need to accommodate for the times and stay up to date, upgrading their workflow and day-to-day -day end processes. There might be environmental changes in this model, I'm not sure if this is referring to the micro and macro environment, I'm not sure, but I think it has to do with the economy. I think it's referring to the physical environment surrounding us, so we'll talk about that. But if you want me to talk about economics on a later episode, I will try, even though I only just started learning about it, hence I know nothing and I actually kind of suck at it, but I will try. So with that information, environmental changes would include things like weather conditions, natural disasters, and anything affecting the access to physical location, most likely the place of work. Thankfully now there are entire systems in, in place where you can do meetings online and work from home. So this really isn't that hard. Also there can be changes to the laws that are in force and in place for businesses. And like I said, this also relates to politics and government regulations. But there could also put in place certain laws that inhibit or restrict your company from doing certain activities, or it could affect how businesses run and conduct itself. For instance, minimum wage and unpaid internships, which is something I am going through and I would not recommend doing. Okay, so we got majorly sidetracked with the PESTEL model, but it is actually really important in helping to explain the need to adapt. But also the other side of adaptability instead of damage control is innovation. And in my opinion, they go hand in hand because all businesses need to adapt and all businesses need to innovate. That's why it's an important quality for a leader to have. They need to be able to spot trends, potential competitors, and adapt their marketing message and strategy when dealing with new products, customers, or climates. So this also relates to or has to do with some element of decision making where they each require a decision to be enacted for changes to occur. This requires the leader to be well informed about the conditions and equipped to deal with it at the right time. Some decisions require a leader to be unbiased and detach their emotions from the situation because that can affect their judgment. This can be to do with hiring and firing because if they're doing a job and they like the person in the interview, they can be serious flaws 
and gaps in skills that they need, which can sometimes be a good thing for the person trying to get employed, but not so much for the recruiter. Conversely, if they don't like them, they can easily spot the flaws and overlook the positive aspects and skills that they can provide instead and look for a reason to undermine them. In the context of firing, it might be useful for the leader to detach their emotions. Of course, they need to be aware of the ex-employee's emotions and be polite and respectful about it because being laid off is no light feat and can severely affect their well-being. But if a leader lets their emotions get in the way, then they might let them stay. And this can affect the performance and morale of the people around them and working for them. So it's important to see whether they have the right skill set to match the requirements. And if they don't, either they need to be trained more or they simply have to get fired. Or the best way I have found is if they are referred to another company to work. So one of the most important things leaders and business owners can do to ensure their success is establish a clear vision and set goals for the future. This is actually one of the most fun things to do as an entrepreneur and something I have done and found a lot of entertainment and fulfillment out of doing. So what they need to do at the first stage of this is research outcomes and successful businesses are implementing and figure out their strategies and processes that they have put in place and apply it, but actually put it in context and customize it, the business model, and then they need to make sure they know what their company wants to be or you can call it internal research. This can be figuring out the mission, vision, and values, or seeing what segment of the market they want to target, which informs their strategy and overall marketing message. Then they need to plan and set step-by-step actionable, actionable goals. This can be shorter, medium, and long-term goals, but these need to be quantifiable and measurable to assess the performance. Now they need to do this so they can have a firm basis so they can set performance and outcome-driven goals because at the start, a leader might have a vision, but once they have achieved that in order to stay on top, they need to set more goals to continue to grow so they constantly need to build on that vision and have that on the top of their mind when making decisions. Now it's also important for the leader to convey that mission and express it to their managers or employees to instill that with motivation and organizational purpose to give them a goal and something to strive towards achieving. If they are mutually aligned, then they are more likely to contribute, perform better, and be more loyal, and less likely to leave for another company. If leaders can't communicate their mission as a digestible message, then it isn't a formulated enough idea and will most likely fail or seek to confuse instead of direct employees. Leaders also have to be good role models because if consciously or not, um, employees are constantly working their way to the top, and if chances are they take over, if they're guided with the correct principles, they can emulate the positive qualities and manage and manage employees fairly well and deal with conflict at a good level. If they aren't taught well, they will abuse their power and exploit their workers because they had a bad or unhealthy representation of what leadership is and how they should conduct themselves. And therefore they will act out in negative ways. And of course, this also comes down to how the leader is selected to take over and what the organization values in terms of its operations. Now, what we briefly touched on or alluded to is leadership styles or the ways in which leaders conduct themselves and manage employees' emotions and balance that with organizational outcomes, as well as what approaches they use to deal with certain situations. So with that said, the leadership styles include authentic, servant, transformational, transactional, autocratic, or authoritarian leadership. So the first one is actually my favorite and is servant leadership. Now I think that by the name, it sounds like there could be a negative connotation towards it, like saying slave, or almost like a serpent. But what it actually means is that a leader serves the employee by providing valuable insights and giving advice and they give guidance. They prioritize them over their own needs and those of the board of executives. They are focused on individual growth and personal development and improvement. So as we talked about adaptability and innovation comes transformational leadership. And what it aims to do is align the followers of the organization to their values 
and giving them purpose and something to work towards and a sense of progress. An authentic leadership is true to their principles and they have set rules and practices in place to make those employees perform at a high level. They still have a level of authority which doesn't make them a dictator, but rather serves to aid employees by giving them a sense of responsibility and accountability if they have someone to answer to. They have the ability to inspire trust, loyalty and respect from their employees by being someone to admire and having integrity. Transactional leadership means that they are forced to contribute and if they don't, there are repercussions or punishments such as demotions, less pay, or even being fired. But if they do perform, they are rewarded, which gives them more incentive to perform and progress and a reason not to fail. In this case, the tasks are clearly defined and the roles are outlined as well as expectations are set. Also, they heavily monitor performance, emphasizing structure, order, using this to judge individual outcomes. Lastly, we have autocratic or authoritarian leadership, and this is the one everyone is scared of, but is unfortunately, arguably, the most common one. First of all, they make most of the decisions without seeking assistance from anyone within the organization. They may involve close counsel, but it's mostly from their own judgment alone, which could be biased, misaligned, or driven by ego and insecurity. They also expect high performance and obedience, respect, expecting everyone to follow the rules and abide by every direction that they give. It is a very direct style and tone, that they, but they're giving you exactly what to do and their intentions or motives are sometimes hidden as well as the consequences for not following are not there. Now next we're going to talk about conflict, resolution and crisis management because while they aren't the same topics, they each involve elements of chaos and control. So conflict resolution is important because no matter what company you're in, conflict will always present itself and rear its ugly head. Call it abuse, verbal abuse, workplace bullying, whatever it is. It occurs at every level to some extent and it sucks and it's demoralizing. It decreases self-confidence and self-esteem. So it's important from a well-being perspective to understand the complexity of it and how to prevent it. Now there can be sometimes healthy conflicts such as arguments or debates which can be necessary to make sure all sides are heard and considered but they still need to be managed so they don't escalate and affect how the team is run. And the group dynamic is affected. So this means they need to be aware of what's going on and spot early signs and recognize early warnings in the form of tension and disagreement leading to conflict. This means they need to mediate and facilitate discussion. They need to understand the emotions of the employee and how they interact with each other as well as the overall workplace culture. They can do this by listening and establishing areas of open, clear and transparent communication where they can express concerns and feel validated. Sometimes it can be advantageous if there is two competing parties to put them in a room and the leader can act as a mediator in the meeting to discuss the root of the problem and figure out where they disagree and how to find common ground and solve it. They can figure out ways of compromising and ways forward as well as methods of minimizing the conflict that involves a form of resolution. So before conflict even arises and the reason it often occurs is that there is an imbalance in the workplace environment or the workplace culture is out of alignment. So they need to be properly established with the right guiding principles, values and vision to follow, maybe using a mission statement. They can also do team building activities and conduct regular meetings as well as discuss ways of dealing with conflict. Oftentimes conflicts can actually ironically serve as an opportunity to learn in the sense of knowing other people's boundaries, what they need out of certain situations and how they should be approached or addressed. If they reflect constructively on the situation and use critical thinking to break it down, they can extract something to use from it like every situation actually. So crisis management is important for leaders, especially because they need to present as calm in the face of the storm, to instill confidence and reassure employees that they are protected and secure in times of crisis. 
that they are safe if anything goes wrong, and this requires an immense amount of emotional control, restraint, and self-reinforcing behaviors. But crisis management is also important for an employee perspective because they have something going on at home, they always have a level of crisis that they have to deal with, but they also must to an extent keep that to themselves. There must be a level of separation, work from personal life, because they should want to keep a front up to protect themselves because sometimes being vulnerable can expose you to conflict as we talked about earlier, and you should always want to present as competent and capable. Now with that said, if it is a serious emotional issue, then it is advisable to seek guidance if it is affecting your ability to work. Now before crisis occurs, it is advisable for leaders to prepare and forecast for when things like that can occur by implementing strategies to deal with risks and conducting risk assessment and management plans by informing employees of contingencies and ways of approaching situations if they present themselves. Now leaders throughout a crisis situation must always establish and maintain communication with direct or external stakeholders, including investors, executives, managers, and employees, constantly keeping them updated on events that could impact them. They need to pick times best to address and raise concerns, make updates and inform employees, equipping them with information that can support them throughout the process. They must also communicate directly with the public if it is an outward facing issue, but they can always use indirect messaging through using PR to sway opinions with the intent of maintaining reputation or controlling the perception. Situations that involve conflict or crisis often arise quickly and require a rapid response to deal with them. Leaders must be able to make fast, timely decisions that are often high stakes and involve a significant amount of pressure. They need to be able to consider all variables and factors so they need to always stay informed of what's going on. They can do just that by analyzing data and noticing declines and they can always consult and seek outside help but a lot of it requires guesswork and intuition or experience. So another crucial and important thing in a crisis is resource management and making you know, sure you know where the resources are allocated and going to or if they need to be moved around. For instance, it may need to cut spending and cut the budget or stop funding a certain project or stop allocating resources. So to ensure that, employees need to be reassured and affirmed in hard times. They need to feel supported and leaders need to maintain connection and involve them because employees like to feel like they're a part of something and that they're contributing or making change. So noticing achievements could be advisable. They also need to keep morale and positivity up, but also motivate them to be more productive. So after a significant crisis or loss occurs affecting a company's image or reputation, they must rapidly progress into a state of damage control and response by conducting meetings discussing the effectiveness of the response, how it dealt with the backlash, what they could have improved on, how they could have done it differently, and what they would do to deal with it in the future if it comes up again. This may also take a significant amount of rebuilding and restructuring, changing how they operate under these new conditions. So we've talked about what attributes make a successful leader and what they need to manage and run a team, as well as what they usually naturally possess. But now I'm gonna talk about what I think makes a great leader and what qualities or personality traits often reflect an effective leader or stand as a good role model for employees to follow. So number one is I think leaders need to be high in emotional intelligence and intuition. They need to sense, feel, and respond to other people's emotions in the workplace environment to manage employees effectively. They need intuition because oftentimes they don't have all the facts or information to make decisions, so they just need to go what they know and feel is right. They also often understand the company best if they are the starter or if they owned or ran the business first. And of course they need to listen to advice, but they also need to use their judgment, critical thinking to assert the best approach. Now I could also see how they could benefit from understanding human psychology as well as understanding human behavior and especially how they react in group and team dynamics 
maybe by delving into something like sociocultural psychology or behavioral psychology to understand the workplace environment and culture better, along with understanding how employees respond and interact with each other. Now that concludes this episode of the Express Podcast. I know it is likely shorter than usual, but I didn't really want to do that much research, to be honest, because I studied leadership in college. So I feel like I've already done it, if that makes sense, and I am less motivated to learn about it. And pointing that out is kind of like a humiliation ritual, but I kind of have to do that. But anyway, I hope you got something useful out of it and gained some insights for how to become an effective leader. This is likely one of my last podcast episodes on the channel. I just feel like I'd be putting in a lot of effort, probably too much to be honest. I've honestly become quite obsessive and sacrificed quite a lot and I haven't seen the right returns. At this stage, it is just too much work and I spend too much time doing it and it takes all my time and attention away from doing other things. It's always on my mind and I think about it a lot. It's a lot to manage and requires a lot of cognitive load and pressure. It honestly is so time consuming at this stage. It has been over seven months. I think I started in March last year. I have made over 1,200 short videos, over 100 video clips and 15 podcast episodes and have reached over 180 subscribers and 150,000 subscribers on YouTube alone. And that may sound like a lot, but if you look back at it, it really isn't much. I really just wanted to summarize that to conclude it and repeat that to myself so I can close this chapter of my life. I think I've gotten a lot out of it and it is rewarding to some extent. And I truly thank all of my followers. I'm very grateful for everyone who has supported me and been there to stick through it with me. I will no longer be making solo podcast episodes. If this does well, I'll continue it, but I will likely try and do a guest episode. But if that fails, then I'm done for now. It is really just the amount of time I have to spend researching, recording, editing, cutting, clipping, making videos, shorts, designing thumbnails, posting. Like it is just simply too much for one person to handle, especially with just so much going on at home and so much stuff I have to do. So I will be taking a break for the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future, I'm gonna start a business, put all my energy and effort into that to try and make that work and become a millionaire. Maybe once I have enough money to bring people on, I will bring it back and continue with this podcast. But until then, I will see you in the next one, which should be a guest episode. But if it doesn't come out, I might still return. But if I don't, it's been nice knowing you all for what it's worth.